We are in number eight of the Justified series. We are rounding the bend. Next week will be the concluding one. We'll look at the whole chapter of Galatians 6 and uh, be able to talk about a harvest that's coming, and I'm excited about that. Paul basically presents a very um, meticulous theological argument for four chapters. And then chapter 5, the whole attitude, the mode of the tone that he's bringing changes and shifts toward the practical outworking, which is what I believe that we should always be interested in. Because, you know, church is not how great the worship is and how interesting or funny or passionate the preacher is. The influence of church is what you do with it when you walk out these doors. Because church isn't a one-hour experience. Church is a people on a mission in a community. We, are, we have a destiny. God has a purpose. We have a mission. And we are called on mission to reach the delta with the gospel, with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's not just uh, handing somebody a track or a pamphlet or, or carrying them through a five-point gospel presentation. All of those things are good and effective. But it, before all of that, it's about living this thing out here in front of people and demonstrating the kingdom of God. Somebody say amen. amen. We've talked about um, the whole concept of justified. I'm not going to do, do any review this morning. I want to jump in right into my material. Um, if this is your first time, all of these messages are available to you free of charge, no cost, on our website, which is not only accessible with a computer or a tablet, but it's now mobile-friendly, so you can check it on your phone, if you, that is, if you have a smartphone, okay? Um, so all of those things are available for you and can be played back if you'd like to go back and listen. Uh, by the time I get this point in a series, there's already been so much groundwork that's been laid that we, we just can't even entertain the possibility of trying to rehearse any of that as I won't get to today's content. Life in the Spirit is the title of the message this morning in this series, Justified Number 8. We've talked about the just living by faith. Our, our series text is, So it's clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. The King James is what is familiar to us. We've heard it all of our lives. It was the ringing battle cry, banner cry, of the historical period called the Protestant Reformation. The just shall live by faith. It appears in Old Testament and New. Several of the Pauline letters the epistles to the church. Today's text is found in Galatians chapter 5. I have one verse. If you've been doing the Bible memory with me, uh, if you have a card or maybe use the back of your bulletin, this is our verse. It's short, not hard at all. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading. Spirit living, Spirit leading. See the parallels? Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Read it with me now like you mean it. Come on. Since we are living by the Spirit... Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. We are born again by the Spirit. We are set apart and sanctified by the Spirit. We are cleansed by the work of the Holy Spirit through the agent of the blood of Jesus. But it's a spiritual effort as well on God's part. The Holy Spirit's work. We are indwelt by the Spirit, the whole Trinity, God Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are tied up in living and dwelling on the inside of you by or through the Spirit. Now, if you just did a simple Google study of by the Spirit or through the Spirit, it would literally make you shout 
this some good, that's some Pentecostal preaching material when you start talking about through the Spirit, what the Spirit does in us, what it has already accomplished in us. Uh, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Spirit. Um, we, we are strengthened in the power of His might by the Spirit. I'm just literally filing through the, the, the letters of Paul, thinking about all these phrases of through the Spirit. We are made alive by the Spirit. We are living now by the Spirit. And so this scripture says, based on all of that, let us follow the Spirit's leading. It's one thing to be made alive spiritually. It's something else to learn to grow and walk with God in every part of our lives. Because a spiritual life, a relationship with Jesus, isn't just a Sunday morning go to church concept. But it's a Monday morning go to work. It's a Tuesday afternoon, come home from school and cook the dinner. It's a, it's a Wednesday afternoon at the basketball game. It's Thursday at the music practice. It's, you know, it's whatever you do, whatever your life is consisting of. It's at the soccer practice. All of those areas, we are carrying the Holy Spirit in us. And it's, it's like sometimes folk just shut it off. I don't think intentionally, but they're just disconnected from the awareness that, uh, that, that, that we've got a... We've got a bricks-and-mortar mentality about church, thinking it's down at some building. Victory at the mall or victory on uh, College Boulevard as we get out there on that new property. But really, you're the church. We're the church. We're marching into this community and with a purpose, the purpose of God, and we're on mission. We are called to be missionaries to our own community. And as we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Everybody say every part. One thing that I want to communicate to you today through this message is that life in the Spirit is the product. Everybody say produce. Life in the Spirit is the product of a living relationship with Jesus. When you want to buy fruit, what section of the grocery store do you go to? Produce. Produce because it's alive. Now the other stuff that's in cans or frozen... Uh, once was and certainly still has beneficial macronutrients, whether canned or frozen or whatever, however you do it. But the produce section has, a, has an expiration date on it. That stuff will rot. It, ha- it is alive. It is living food. The produce section is the product of the seed being in a good environment in the soil, the fertilizer working, the sun shining, the rain falling, irrigation, cultivation, all of these things that we've learned uh, since the agricultural revolution and the industrial revolution, America is probably responsible for feeding the world, literally, in terms of uh, what, how God has blessed us as the breadbasket of the world. Life in the Spirit is the product. It's the produce of a living relationship with Jesus. He made us free for a reason. Everybody say a reason. And that reason is to walk in love and demonstrate the kingdom of God to the world. He made us free for a reason, to walk in love and demonstrate the kingdom of God to the world. Galatians 5.1, King James says, Stand fast, hold your place, stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. Same word, eleutheria, freedom, liberty, free. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. He was talking about the law, particularly their use of the law. The law is not bad, folks. The law is good. The law is holy. The law is spiritual. Paul argues that in Romans 7. 
The law is not the problem. It's how this group of zealous people were handling the law and how they were misusing the law. They had created a system called legalism, that is, that we have to earn God's favor by how we keep the law. And the whole point is, is that none of us has the ability to do that. Only one has perfectly kept the law, has lived um, in every way without sin. His name is Jesus Christ. The impeccability of Christ is a cornerstone doctrine of the church, that, he's, that He is without sin. He is impeccable. You might have heard that phrase, peccadillo. Those are little sins that pull people down. So Jesus is impeccable. His character is, He has integrity. He is flawless. Um, Pilate, the Roman governor, examined him and washed his hands and he says, I find no fault in this man. He was tempted in all points as we are, yet without what? Yet without sin, okay? And so we recognize that Jesus is the only one who has accomplished the challenge of fulfilling every jot and tittle of the law of God. Because of that, we lean on Him and the good news of the gospel is because he died for my sin, took the penalty of my sin to the grave. He died and was buried. He buried the accusation of the law. All of those commandments and accusations were nailed to the cross. Jesus took it down to the grave, and then he got up out of the grave without the sin, but with the righteous declaration that this is the Son of God. And because of his life, I'm forgiven because of his death, but I can live forever because of his life. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together and give him praise. Life in the Spirit is the product of a living relationship with Jesus. He made us free for a reason, to walk in love and demonstrate the kingdom of God to the world. Three principles today that I want to bring to you out of these verses from 13 through 26. Galatians chapter 5, the first one is the purpose of freedom. The purpose of freedom. King James says, stand fast in the liberty where Christ has made us free, Galatians 5.1. The New International Version says, it is for freedom that Christ has made us free. So we want to talk about the purpose of that freedom. There's a reason why we have been made free. And we've said this, our, our one thing is that life in, the, life in the Spirit is a product of a living relationship with Jesus. He's made us free for a reason, to walk in love and to demonstrate the kingdom of God. So freedom has a reason. Freedom has a purpose. I, uh, freedom is not absolute. I can't just be free to do any ridiculous thing that I come up with. My freedom that is in Christ now uh, very much is like the freedoms that we celebrate as Americans. We call the first ten amendments to the Constitution the Bill of Rights. And critical are the, in the first... Um, we, 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 by the way, does anybody know which of the freedoms are listed first? Religion comes before speech and before assembly. That's interesting. Freedom of, they didn't say freedom from religion the way some political folks try to make it, but it's freedom of religious expression. Congress shall make no law that will prohibit, okay? And so we have freedom of religion, we have freedom of speech, and we have freedom of the press, freedom of the, uh, the right to assemble together together as we are this morning. And, and the, the deal is that even those freedoms are not absolute. I have the ability and the right to stand up and declare my view, my opinion, my, my conviction 
And whether you agree with it or not, you don't have the right to restrain me from saying what I believe and what I say. It may not be right. It may be total gibberish and I may be an idiot, but I still have a right to say it. But I don't have to, a right to go into a packed uh, venue, a theater, and scream fire if there's not one. Because it will create confusion. People could be trampled. Somebody could actually die. And then I, exercising what I thought was my free right to say whatever I wanted to, could be held accountable and actually be charged with murder because I used a freedom, I abused a freedom, I misused a freedom. I didn't use it properly. I used it just because I had a whim or desire to try to stir up some trouble. So freedom is not absolute in any sense. As a matter of fact, the Bible says here, for you have been called to live in freedom. Everybody say, called to freedom. You've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. I just want to say this morning that we are called to live now at a life that pleases God. I have a choice now where before when I was motivated by a sinful nature and driven to be able to express all of the things that a sinful nature will express, now I have a new nature and I'm called in the middle of that freedom not just freedom from sin, but freedom of expression that pleases God and not selfishly pleasing myself. The, the, this call to live in freedom is not the expression of foolish freedom. I can't just willy-nilly go do whatever the heck I want to, thinking, well, I'm saved, God's forgiven me, I'm heaven-bound, it doesn't matter how I live. Somebody said, and I believe this is accurate, unless you're preaching grace strong enough that folk think they can do anything they want to, you're not really preaching grace. But you keep preaching grace to remind them that that grace that frees them is not an excuse to stay in sin. It's the power of God to get delivered from their sin. Come on, somebody. Say amen. That's good. You put, really, come on. Let's give God praise. If you're going to clap your hands, really do it. Not for me, but thank you, Father. Grace of God is not an excuse to stay in sin. It is the power of God to get delivered from it. That means I don't have to stay in repeating patterns of behavior. The Bible says in the King James, you might have heard this, you've been, called, you've been called to liberty and in freedom. He says, brothers and sisters, but don't use it as an occasion. Don't use your liberty as an occasion for the flesh. That's what the King James says. Don't use your liberty as an occasion to please the flesh. Here in the NLT it says, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. So it's important that we remember the freedom that God has given us is free to please God, where before I never could. Nothing I even did, which even was an, a good work attempt in a sinful nature, is still going to be tainted by sin. But now that I have new life in Christ, I've been made alive by the Spirit, and I'm learning to be led by the Spirit, following the Spirit's leading in every part of my life, then I can learn how to please God. And that's the blessing of the freedom that Christ has given to us. King James says, don't use your liberty for an occasion. You know, it's amazing sometimes how folk will excuse little things that they hope nobody knows about, a little secret sin or a, another, and they'll say, well, you know, I only do that occasionally. 
Don't raise your hand, but how many of you know what I'm talking about? Just say amen. I only do that occasionally. And so we go, well, you know, I, I just I have to have a little something, something, whatever it is, whatever your flavor is. And, and first of all, let me just say, a whole lot of Bible Belt stuff is, is labeled as sin, and it's not. It's just how you treat that thing and whether or not you use it in moderation. Isn't it crazy that all of the essential physiological drives of your body have been perverted by the enemy? You have to breathe air. You have to drink water. You have to eat food. And a lesser but still important physiological need of the body is sexual expression in the boundary of husband and wife, the blessing of a family, okay? And it's, it's crazy how the enemy corrupts every one of those things. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll give you a little bit of weed and say, here, suck this air in. Or, you know, he'll get you inebriated on something you're drinking to quench your thirst that'll really kind of set you in a whole different perspective of life. Or he'll make you worship the refrigerator and struggle with, you know, carrying the extra LBs around. Uh, and certainly I don't need to take time. It's obvious what he's done to sex. It's he's perverted. This culture is the most outrageously sexualized culture uh, that, that it just about can be imagined. It's outrageous, the, everything that is... I mean, ordinary television is just nearly soft porn. It's crazy, the stuff that's on just regular TV. And they were talking on the news this week about 11-year-old children being addicted to pornography because it's just two clicks away on their smartphones. And parents, we need to be actively overseeing, not just permissive, but really overseeing what is going on in our own personal lives. And let me just say this, if you're not living it, there's no way you're going to be able to help lead your children in terms of the, the, the good things of God. Somebody say amen. And so it's important that whatever you're struggling with, that you realize that Jesus has come to set you free. Somebody, come on. Um, so don't use your freedom as foolish freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. And it's so beautiful. The next verse says the whole law can be summed up in one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is the golden thread that's woven through the warp and the woof of Scripture. Uh, strange textile terminology. You know, if anything that's woven together in fabric, it's because you've got threads going this way and threads going that way that are woven together. And the textile terminology is the warp and the woof. One way is called the warp, the other one's called the woof, and those two are woven together, and then you get this solid fabric. And theologians talk about the warp and the woof of Scripture, how all of this is woven together, and we see this thread of Christ through both covenants, and that is the idea of the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, which is really a great way to sum up the, the two royal commandments, love God and love others. Because when I love God, I'm going to please Him. When I love others, I'm not going to harm them. If I, if I love someone, I don't have to worry about checking off the to-do list of do's and don'ts in the Big Ten Commandments. But I know that I'm going to keep them because I'm walking out of love. I'm living a life of love because life in the Spirit is a product of a living relationship with Jesus. He has made me free for a reason. And that's so that I will walk in love and demonstrate the kingdom of God to the world while I'm still in the world. Somebody say amen. And so we realized this morning that as we walk in love, love is the fulfillment of the law, uh, Paul says in, in Romans chapter 10. 
So all of these things are summed up, and he says in verse 15, but if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. I think that's so interesting because, you know, human nature has not changed. It was that way in the first century. It's still that way in the 21st century. People talk, and they gossip, and they backbite, and they're jealous, and they're envious, and they provoke each other, and all these kind of things. And he's just dealing with people. He's, he's frustrated as a leader just dealing with people and sometimes seeing the stuff in himself that he's seeing in them because he's still human. And, and, and I have had not only my two dogs for the last three weeks, but I've had Drew's nine-month-old Chesapeake Bay Retriever. So he is an 80-pound puppy. And you put him with my one-year-old Bernadoodle, Odie, who had his year birthday last week, who is 107 pounds of a puppy. Copper is the smallest. He's the oldest and the wisest of all of them. It was funny because they were standing behind my gate, my two my iron gates in my backyard, and it was crazy how they were lined up. I wish I'd had my phone. I tried to reach for it, and then they broke rank. They were standing there short, middle, tall, and all looking out like they were behind bars. It was just the <laughs> most hilarious photo. Well, I've lost, I've lost cushions to my yard furniture. I, I, one of them, honest to God, I, you know what? I, I think it was an Abrahamic promise situation because, you know, he told Abraham, as many as the stars are in the heaven and as much as the dust on, the, on the, the earth and the sand of the sea, I'll give you that many heirs, that many children. I think, I think Willie and Odie broke up that foam cushion into more pieces all over my backyard <laughs> than there are stars in heaven. And I'll tell you, I promise you, I did not use a four-letter word ever at any time when I had my big black trash bag and I did this for over an hour. It was all over the place this last week. And the, the dog is just so sweet. And they, they sent me with the shock collar, you know, a shock collar and a little button. And y'all, I just want to tell you, I, I just couldn't do it. The, the dog... Willie has not had the shock collar on since he's been at my house. And I probably should have had left, just left it on and not used it because they said he acts differently when you put it on him. I said, yeah, I bet he does. <laughs> I tell you what, I came real close to getting that shock collar out after I had to pick up 10 bajillion pieces of foam all over God's creation. And I didn't have the joy of the Lord while I was picking it up either. <laughs> And I'm thinking, man, I need to get that shock color and give him a good one. And then I started laughing. I thought, you know, there's a couple of people at church I'd like to get a couple of shock colors for. No, he didn't just say that. Yeah, he did, and I meant it too. I'm telling you. The works of the flesh, point two. The works of the flesh. So I say let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Everybody say desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Verse 18, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. 
when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results, everybody say results, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, that's self-explanatory. We don't have to, we don't have to break down the Greek meaning of that word. Everybody knows what we're talking about. Impurity, okay, you can talk about thoughts, improper relationships, lustful pleasures, and guys, don't, do not allow yourself to automatically, when you hear the word lust, immediately think sex. You can lust after anything. People, I, I lust after a cheesecake. I'll just, I'll just confess. I, I just tell you the honest to God truth right now. I could just throw my face down into a white chocolate raspberry. Hallelujah. I could just literally... Matter of fact, we took our team one year to Atlanta and I'm standing there in front of this massive display and I took a picture and put it on Instagram and I, and I put up, I said, I think I've just died and gone to heaven. <laughs> now, you know, probably some of y'all go, that's just messed up. Well, that's, hey, you know what, you got, you got something too. I love it. I, I, I love it and I could lust after it. So don't always think lust and sex. You can lust after a new job. You can lust after a car. You can lust after a whole lot of things. So therefore, let's desexualize the word lust and let's realize that it just means a strong desire. Now that you understand it just means a strong desire, guess what? You can turn your strong desire toward the things of the Spirit and you can lust for the things of God. Come on. So let's sanctify a word that has been categorized as it's been over-sexualized. But don't turn it into lustful pleasures. All right? Verse 20, idolatry. You can idolize any of those things we've listed. I'm trying to move. Sorcery. Now, this is not Harry Potter. This is not bewitched. Twinkle, twinkle, twinkle on your nose. Uh, You know, this is not that kind of thing. This is not Merlin the wizard. Sorcery is the Greek word pharmakia. It is using the resources of the earth illegitimately. It is pharmakia. We get the English word pharmacy from it. It is, it is having a, a condition and a procedure done and then recovering and having significant pain to deal with and you get opioids prescribed for you and then you don't manage something very powerful responsibly and you start visiting multiple doctors and you don't realize it, you look down on the drug addict in the community that's, on, that's snorting coke and that's buying weed and you think that they're the bad people because they're shooting up people and living in ghettos. And by the way, that's not a white or black thing. That's in both. It's, a, it's pervasive. It's in every area. So when I say the word ghetto, don't think, you know, don't, don't, don't go that route. It's just there's so much poverty and ignorance that surrounds that kind of culture. And we can have kind of what we call sanctified white-collar crime sitting in the pew in the church and be addicts to painkillers, visiting multiple doctors, going to your friend's house and staying extra long in their bathroom hoping to find their painkillers. Now, I, ain't nobody shouting me down right now because we're, we're treading on some stuff that's all about America right now. We have an opioid crisis and we've got to get real. I went in and had a consult last week because I'm going to have to have some oral surgery and a tooth removed. And I was very blessed because the doctor told me, he said, I'm a Christian. He said, as a matter of fact, I'm a Catholic. And he said, I made a commitment years ago when I started my business that I would 
do the services free for the fathers and for the nuns. He said, but I don't see enough fathers and nuns, so I've extended it to you Baptist guys. I said, okay, well, thanks. Well, first of all, I'm not a Baptist, but I appreciate that. That's great. Uh, but hey, I praise God. He said, well, thank him, don't thank me. And I said, thank God, thank you too. And, uh, and so we, we had a wonderful time, you know, visiting. And I said, you know, what kind of painkillers do you prescribe? And he looked at me kind of funny like I was going to like try to hit him up for something. I said, no, 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 I don't even want anything to do. I had um, a root canal and they sent me home with 16 of them. Who needs 16? I'll just take some extra, some extra strength Tylenol. Uh, you know, I had the radical prostatectomy and I went home with a whole bottle of them and took them two days and I just said, I can't do this I'm, and then just stopped. I said, I'll just, I'll just douse up some Advil and some Tylenol or whatever I need to and make it. I just don't, I'm, I'm afraid of them. I don't even want to go near it because I know I've had friends, I've had personal friends who have gotten trapped and stuck in that. And, and, and this whole sorcery word that is here is this idea of looking for the effect of what God will do in your life to bring peace or bring you joy or level you out in your emotions and looking to find something from taking a pill. Now let me just back up and say, if you are personally struggling with depression or any of those legitimate areas where you need to in this season, and I believe it's seasonal, I don't believe it has to be permanent. I don't believe you have to be a medicine chest for the rest of your life. I struggled for three years before my wife took her life with unbelievable, unmentionable mental battles. She would come out to the outside of the courtyard where the big open backyard is and I would sit in the mornings and have my coffee and read the Bible, and she would come sit with me for a few minutes before leaving for school. By She'd be out there by 7.15, and we would pray together, and she would leave, and I would weep for an hour going, God, heal, heal, heal my wife. Heal my wife. She was, she was going to therapy. She was taking medication. She needed it. We were praying. We were praying hard. Abby and I fasted. Drew was praying. She was so paranoid. She thought one Sunday that when we were at church, somebody broke into our house and wired our house so they were listening to all of our conversations. She was convinced that a couple of women in this church and a couple of women in the school and a couple of women in the community had all colluded together and were trying to take her down and destroy her. And it just grieved me because they were people that I knew their hearts and I knew them and I trusted them. And it was such a challenge because I'm going... Is this, is this real? Is this not real? And it was just three years of hell and it challenged our team. We were, we were working through things and battling stuff that you know, only two or three people in the church knew about. And, and I'm praying and I'm going, God, help settle this thing. What, what in the world is happening? And they had changed their meds and then I found her the next day. And the, 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 the guilt and the shame that I regularly have to battle through going, why didn't I just get her committed? We sat down with people and people that I love put their hand on the Bible and said, I never said those things. And I knew they were telling the truth. And we would pray together and we would have meetings and we would leave and she would go, they're lying. And I would just, I would just beat my head against the wall going, God, what, what is going on here? This is not right. This is, we had 28 years of heaven on earth loving each other and walking together, praying together and seeing God do amazing things in our lives and our children in this church. 
I just want to tell you, don't play. Sorcery here is pharmakia. Don't play with that. Don't play with stuff that you think you're just going to get a real quick little good feel off of because that stuff can kill you. It can rob you of your life. And I hope my openness for a few moments hasn't made you too uncomfortable, but uncomfortable enough to wake up and go, we've got to speak to these things. Amen. Flesh versus the spirit. Verse 21, he says, Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life. Now, I have that emboldened because I want you to say that. Living that sort of life. This doesn't mean that you experienced a slip and let's just get real. You got drunk one time and you're going to hell now. This doesn't mean that you, you know, were envious over somebody one time and you just really got eaten up with it. And now, yep, well, now you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. You're going to hell. Read those words in bold and again. Living that sort of life. This thing becomes a vicious circle. It's kind of the flush in the toilet that just swirls you down into. You become overpowered by all of the pursuit of the works of the flesh of the sinful nature. Now, if, if you know Jesus and you're caught and you slip, thank God for the truth of 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you get up and you move on. And you thank God. When something becomes recognized as an occasional habit, that's when you need to know somebody that you love and trust enough that you're willing to sit down and look eyeball to eyeball and go pray for me, I'm struggling with, and you fill in the blank. Because the enemy, as long as he can keep it in a secret place, listen, this is why we labor to build a culture of grace around here, because I don't want anybody living in the bondage of a sin that Jesus died to get you free from. And if you will have the courage to drag it into the light and I have anything to do with it, I'm going to do nothing but pour love and mercy on you and pray for you and stand with you and support you, maybe ask you the hard question of how you're doing with it. But that's what we're called to do. Instead of looking down the long nose of self-righteousness and better than thou holiness and pointing the finger of legalism and Pharisaism and therefore it creates a culture where everybody in the church is hiding some kind of secret sin and is scared spitless that if somebody else finds out about it that they will, be, they will be ostracized they will be shunned they will receive the left foot of fellowship that is not what Jesus did when the woman was caught in adultery the legalists were ready to stone her and they came, they came with their stones they had them in hand and Jesus looked at her and he said to the accusers first Okay, guys, fine. Go ahead. Whoever, whoever you want to. Any of you that's without sin, cast the first stone. And one by one, the Bible says they all dropped their stones and walked away. And she looks, he looks at the woman. He says, woman, where are your accusers? There are none. He says, go your way and sin no more. So Jesus is always final. the final word of Jesus. If you will just own it, if you will just pray, actually hear yourself, say it out loud, God forgive me for what, what you've not been able to articulate, put into a word. If you will just say it and own it, 
He will pour mercy all over you and set you free and give you deliverance. Come on, somebody. The consequences of a life that way, living that sort of life, people who do that will not... I'm sorry, you can't argue with this. I looked in the Greek and guess what not means? It means not. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. Again, let me say it one more time. Slipping into one of those things one time is not going to send you to hell. You don't lose your salvation. You might stay out there in it. And let me tell you something, if God's really marked you and you're a blood-bought, born-again believer, He's going to send the hound dog of heaven, the Holy Spirit, after you and make you so miserable. He will make you so miserable that you will get drunk on whatever that thing is that you're pursuing until you get sick of it and you go, I am utterly sick of this. There is no satisfaction. There's no fulfillment in this. God, I cry out to you. I'm desperate. Help me. Holy. Make me holy before you. Finally, and I'm finished, the third point, the fruit of the Spirit. Notice the difference between works and fruit. One is active. Fruit just passively grows. You just stay connected to the vine. Look at this. He says all of this, he says people who live that kind of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I love the very next word. Look at it. What is it? Say the one word. But. Come on, say but. How many of you, how many of you are thankful for God's but? He, he, he literally says no. Stop right there. But. But. I love it. We were dead in trespasses and sin, but God, who was rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, has raised us up together in Christ. But God. I love it. But the Holy Spirit produces. Produce section is the living section of the grocery store. Produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Read it with me. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Where is it? Click. There it is. Gentleness and self-control. There is no law against these things. I believe with all of my heart that these are nine expressions of love. I believe that love is the covenantal, non-quitting, unconditional affection of God for His people. And I believe all of these things are, are expressions of love. Joy is the, 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 the fulfillment of love. It's the effluence. It is the bubbling over. It is, and I don't get offended because I use this illustration, but it's the, the champagne of love. All, you pop the cork and here comes all the bubbles. It's the joy of the Lord. So here comes all of the bubbly in your life, the joy of His presence, because love is there and it's the motivating seed down in the soil of your soul. And we can read on and talk about every one of them. Peace is the underlying sense of wholeness. It is just being together in the spite of the stormy winds that are blowing, in spite of all the doubts that attempt to assail you and take you under. You have an un, you're undergirded by the peace of God. And so that's the representation of, uh, of love's fulfillment when you're walking in the love of God. We could do that with every one of them, and I think next year I'm going to do a series on the fruit of the Holy Spirit and preach nine weeks, one each week, and talk about these on a very in-depth level because Galatians, we're just doing a flyover. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Those nine, it says, verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed, past tense, 
have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. The real issue that I face when I choose to walk in love, when I, when I decide to walk in love, that is taking up my cross daily. Because love is the fulfillment of the law. The law has ten big, huge commandments. The first four have to do with God. No other gods before me, no idols, don't take his name in vain, and it's a worship, number four. Remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. So the first four have to do with God. And I reach up in the vertical bar of the cross. I love God, and when I love God with all of my heart, I won't have any other gods before him. I won't make idols out of anything. I won't take his name in vain. That's not just putting a four-letter word behind the, the word God. It's way bigger than that. It means you're not entering into covenant just vainly. You don't just go get baptized when you didn't really have a life experience. It's not just something where you're going through the motions, but you live it out of a life of conviction. And you, you become a worshiper, not just on the Sabbath, the seventh day of the week for the Jews, the first day of the week for the Christians, but you live a life of worship. You love God with all of your heart. And because of that, you automatically keep those first four laws. And when I love my neighbors as myself, the horizontal bar of the cross, really, you know what? Loving God is easy. It's all of His people that will drive you crazy. <laughs> Five through ten, six commandments left. Six is the number of man. Man was created on the sixth day. And there are six commandments that have to do with our relationships with everybody else. Honor your father and your mother is number five. Number six, no murder. Number seven, no adultery. Number eight, no stealing. Number nine, no lying. Number ten, no envy or thou shalt not covet. Let me make it religious sounding for you. What, what is covet? Nobody covets at work. You don't even know what the word means. Don't envy. Okay? So we put it in terms we can understand. When I love my neighbor as myself, I won't envy his speedboat or his hot wife. And if I don't envy her, then I won't lust after her and I won't break the eighth commandment. I won't, make, I won't commit adultery with her because I love my neighbor. And I treat my neighbor's wife as a sister in Christ, even if she doesn't know Jesus yet. And, and, and I won't murder my neighbor, even though I've had the thought a couple of times. Because I love them as myself. See that golden rule, do unto others as you have would have them do unto you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Takes care of the first four commandments. And the last six are summed up in love your neighbor as yourself. The love of God sums up the whole law. So when I walk in love, I'm demonstrating the kingdom of God to the world. Because you won't murder somebody you love. You won't adulterate somebody you love. Come on somebody. You won't steal from somebody you love. Am I helping somebody this morning? So it, it ceases to become an external code list of do's and don'ts and gold stars and it becomes an inward leading of the Holy Spirit. Two verses and I'm finished. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. These nine expressions of love, I believe, literally, are the outworking, the produce of staying connected. The, the grapes that hang on the vine don't grunt to grow. It just, it just happens. The sun shines, the rain falls, the roots go down deep, fertilizer, cultivation, irrigation, all of these things. And as long as they stay connected, they keep growing and they're producing fruit. So stay connected to Jesus. Stay in the Word. 
Even if there's a day you don't feel like it. And don't beat yourself up because you didn't read 10 chapters. Just get a verse and meditate on it. And so you missed a day. You know what? You're not going to hell because you didn't read your Bible. It's crazy how what the devil will do to you because if he can't make you sin, he'll make you think you're not a good Christian because you missed a day in your Bible reading. Come on, everybody in the room who's been guilty, you felt the guilt because of that, raise your hand to me. Come on, I, I, know, I know it, I know it, I know how it feels. And the whole point is all of that stuff is not how God deals with us. He's a loving Father who longs to be with us and to lavish His love upon us. And as we learn that and recognize that He's not angry, He's not looking for you to slip so He can bust you upside your head, and man, most of the preaching that I got when I was a kid gave me this view of a really ticked off God on the brow of a hill ready to bust me. How, how many of you know what I'm talking about? It's just, it's crazy what that produces in you. And when you walk around living life having that kind of view of your Heavenly Father, it just puts you in an automatic, I'm just no good, I'm unworthy, I'm less than. And how many of you know, you know apart from Christ, I, I know that there's a, a worthlessness and sin. But even in that, there was something worth sending His Son to shed His blood and die for you. So you've got to recognize there is the mark of God, the image of God in your life, and there's some dignity and worth in that. Last verse and I'm finished. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. I believe every one of those things, and I don't have time, I'm just going to stop right here. I believe every one of those things are motivated by pride. I'm conceited. I'm eat up with pride. I'm provoking somebody else. Pride is motivating my actions. I'm jealous of somebody else. Definitely pride because I think they've got something that I don't have. And so pride enters into everyone. Pride, folks, is the very central seed of sin. S-I, center letter, N-I. I, pride, tied up in who I am. And it's who I am apart from God. And so this morning, every one of us recognizes that we desperately need this Holy Spirit who has come in to live and dwell on the inside of us, who's made us alive by the Spirit. Now that I'm living in the Spirit, I want to learn to follow the Spirit's leading in every part of my life. Don't, don't check out when you walk out the door and go, okay, that was encouraged. Because, you know, really church is not about how great the music was and how motivated the speaker was, whether he, he or she has passion or whether... You learn something new, whether it's inspirational or informational, and all that's good. We want to have all of that. But whether this has affected you or not is not how, the, how you're responding in this room. It's how you walk out the door and live Monday when you get to work and your boss ticks you off. Tuesday when you come home and the kids haven't done any chores and your husband was supposed to pick up takeout because you stay at work long and you got home and he didn't pick up takeout and he's standing there looking, waiting for you to cook something. I'm talking to the sisters now. And the brother, when he realizes he did something wrong and doesn't want to say, hey, I missed it, I'm sorry, and you all mad because the finger's pointing back at you. Every one of us, whatever we're going through, even if the dog chewed up your, your yard furniture cushion into a bajillion pieces. Even though I'd like to put a collar on him and go, yeah. Do you know, God doesn't collar us and go, yeah. He embraces us and goes, mm. He throws His arms of love and mercy and protection and guidance around us. And I'm telling you this morning, if there's a struggle you're facing, if there's a secret sin 
Tell it to Jesus today. Find somebody that you can talk to before the week is over. I challenge you to do it in the next 48 hours. But open up and talk to a brother or sister that you trust and say, walk with me. I want to be free from this. Because he, he made us free for a reason. Life in the Spirit is the product. It's the produce, the living fruit of a relationship with Jesus. He made us free for a reason, to walk in love and to demonstrate the kingdom of God. Bow your hearts with me, please, for a word of prayer.